Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 120 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the works of writer-director-producer J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. I'm Matt Crandall, here with my co-host Marcelo Inestroza, as we continue our rewatch of Fringe Season 4. Today we are talking about the 14th and 15th episode of that season. The first episode, The End of All Things, aired February 24th, 2012, Written by David Fury, directed by Jeffrey Hunt. Marcelo, have you had any sprinkles sandwiches today? No, but you know, when Walter was preparing it, I was like, what the hell is he doing? Because it looked like butter and sprinkles. I'm like, that looks disgusting. But I really, really like this episode because number one, it really focused in on Olivia and um, Nina Sharp being in captivity. And we really got to we, we really got a chance to see their dynamic. Not saying that we haven't gotten a chance to see their dynamic in this remix timeline, but we got to see how our Olivia reacts to Nina being tortured with our Olivia sort of having the understanding that she was adopted by Nina in this remix timeline. So we got to see how how much our Olivia to a point cares for uh cares for Nina Sharp. So I thought that was really interesting. But the best part about this episode was David Robert Jones coming back. I really, really, really love that actor so so much. Like anytime that I see him in anything, I'm like, it's David Robert Jones. And he 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 has he has such a vindictive evil screen presence that every time that he's on screen, he's magnetic. He, it's like you just have to watch him to hear what he's gonna say or do. Yeah, you never know what Jared Harris is going to do next. And I think the the main through lines of this episode are twofold with that Olivia disappeared after taking a leak at a gas station and she's being held captive. And we got to figure out what, what's going on there. But also in the lab, we end up diving super deep into who and what the observers actually are in the back half of this episode. And it is an exposition dump but it's something we've been waiting for to try and figure out. And this gives us a lot more clarity exactly about who September is, what the observers are. But I like that to get there, you know, last week we were talking about the final scene where Olivia wakes up and Nina Sharp is there. And what I thought was that maybe Nina had been replaced by a shapeshifter. Now we find out Nina, it is Nina from the other side who has come over to work with David Robert Jones by the end of this. And, the Nina that Olivia wakes up with, we are led to believe for the first third of the episode that that is the real Nina and that the Nina who's on the ground at Massive Dynamic is the replaced one. And then this turns out to be like a Mission Impossible scenario where they set up a fake room with a fake captive to try and get the information. And Olivia sees right through it because as she is hanging out with Nina captive, her and Nina start having some heart to hearts. And in that conversation, Olivia gets the information that tips her off that this actually is not the Nina that she knows and that loves her because she got something wrong. So I loved that we see Olivia, even in this state where she is kidnapped, disoriented, is still smart enough to suss out that this is not her surrogate mother. This is an imposter and that that person is there to try and weasel information out of her. And what we do find out is that they have been doing this Cortexafan stuff to bring these memories back. But the reason that they're trying to bring the memories back 
is all connected to Olivia's Cortexafan powers where she can turn the light box on and how that can be used. And it's very interesting. What are you thinking as that is one of the things that Jones presents to her and says, turn these lights on, bitch, or I'm going to do something bad. And it's connecting back to things from the past seasons of Fringe. Yeah, I really, I, I, I really found it interesting that Jones and Nina Sharp from the other universe want to unlock Olivia's powers again because they sort of want to kind of like open a door, I believe. But, but, but that doesn't make sense. So that doesn't make any sense because at the end of the, uh, spoiler alert, at the end of the episode they get away. So I find it I find it really interesting that they want to use Olivia to activate her powers to a certain extent. But the bigger thing that I think that episode does is it really affirms to Olivia that the only way that she has been able to use her protective fan powers in the past is twofold. Number one, she has to be under extreme stress. And number two, she has to have something. She has to have a thing to give her motivation. And that thing to give her motivation in both uh, for for both times that she has used her protective fan powers has been Peter. So this scene or this or this setup done by Jones really drives home the point that whoever this remix version of Olivia is, she is slowly becoming our Olivia moment by moment. And this really bangs it home that she needs Peter and she loves him. Yeah, I like that a lot. And it is cool as they are. We realize that that Nina's like, yeah, she needs an emotional hook to get her powers juiced. And you guys thought that I could do that by being her surrogate mother in danger. But it's not me. It's Peter. So then Jones realizes they need to kidnap Peter to make Olivia come through with her powers. And while that is going on, we do see the actual Nina in custody. And Broyles sits her down and he's like, look you've been up to some shady shit. You better start talking. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And Lance Reddick is giving all these looks like tell another lie, bitch. And I'm going to cut your throat because I know that you've been up to some shady shit because I've been helping you a little bit, but now, now chickens have come home to roost. And I love that moment where she's literally confused. And we aren't sure if she's just a really good liar in those moments or what, but by the end of the episode, we realize that this Nina hasn't visited the cortex fan vault for months. It was Nina from the other side posing as her. So I thought that was really good because they do give Blair Brown a little bit of stuff to play with here as Nina, both Nina's, which was nice to see because she hasn't had very many showy scenes lately. So I thought her one-on-one with Broyles was really good. And as they are realizing the only way to unlock Olivia's powers is through Peter in the lab, Peter and Walter are also talking about how they can, obviously they have to track down Olivia. So they start doing this video research and stuff to try and figure out how they can find her and where she has gone. But Walter posits, you know, that, look, I know that you think that this is your Olivia coming through and you are starting to think that that's a good thing, but maybe it's not a good thing. And maybe the only reason that's happening, yes, she was dosed with cortexafan, but it's also because you are here. So we might need to separate you two so that this doesn't take over and this remix timeline Olivia doesn't disappear entirely. So as they're having these thoughts, basically, you know, we can't get the keymaster and the gatekeeper together because bad shit could happen. He's like, maybe you guys should separate. As they're doing this, September shows up, gunshot, and he collapses. What are you thinking as our main observer 
just pops into the lab out of nowhere. First of all, that scene where Walter goes, uh, well, if you really want to start to fix everything, I think you should take a step back and you should realize what you're doing to remix Olivia. And maybe if you take a step back, maybe the universe will start to correct itself slowly by itself. That really pissed me off. That really made me kind of angry because again, I'm, I'm going to go back to something that we said that you and I have said uh, multiple times weeks ago, right? When Peter first shows up, he's all gung ho. He wants to make everybody remember, but then the writers did something so stupid. They decided to take his primary driving point for the, for, for, for the start of the season and say, you know what? We're not going to we're, we're not going to do this. We're going to make Peter do something completely stupid that makes no sense at all. It just doesn't make any sense. So based on that, that really ticked me off. The second thing we got to see our primary observer. I love that because Peter and Walter are talking and this observer, September, shows up from out of nowhere with a gunshot wound. And, you know, and, and, you know, and, and then Peter, Walter and Ash had put him on a table and I love the moment where Walter goes and he stops for a second as he's fiddling with the observer's clothes and wanting to open them up, right? He goes, um, I don't know anything about this guy's anatomy, so how do I know that when we open this up, how do I know that I can fix him? And then Peter goes, oh, uh, well, um, my Walter said that the observer's anatomy is similar to ours. That's a clue right there. <laughs> and, uh, and and the thing that I found so funny but also frustrating Astrid goes uh, do you think we should call an ambulance and I'm like why and that's the second time that somebody or the fringe cast has taken out a body with something weird in it to a hospital and I'm like guys you guys are fringe you have a mad scientist that has done unbelievable things and you want to send this guy to a regular doctor are you out of your mind this episode really served to sort of demystify the observers and really tell us where they come from and, and, and who they are and how they move through the universe and why they do what they do. And I loved everything with their backstory. I really, really loved it. And the thing that I love most about it is when September basically goes, um, we are super advanced versions of you. So the observers are what we as a human being or human beings had the potential to become in 5,000, 6,000 years. So I'm like, holy shit, are you, are, are you saying that if I'm alive in six or 5,000 years, I can travel through time? It sounds awesome. You know, so I loved all of that. I really, really did. The, the, other, the other thing that I, I loved it, but I was really disappointed with this one thing, though. When Peter says, I want to go into his head. To see to, to see if I could talk to him, to see if I could find Olivia. I'm really pissed off that he didn't pull out the tank. I'm like, put him in the tank. I wa why didn't they pull out the tank, Matt? I wanted the tank. Josh Jackson probably had it in his contract that he doesn't have to get into that fucking tank. So they didn't they just did it uh normal style where they were hooked up to some gizmos side by side. And I did like that that's where they go. So September is out of commission and Peter says, Let me go into his mind. And we get the huge, everything we've wanted to know about the Observer's exposition dump, and it's handled really well. Now, sitting here 11 years after this aired, the blue screening of that sequence is fucking atrocious. Nowadays, they would just shoot it on the volume, and it probably would look perfect. 
But there are moments where, like, literally on the Blu-ray copy, I could see, like, a little blue shadow on Joshua Jackson's shoulder every once in a while pop up. And I'm like, it's not from the images on the screen. It's literally, like, the blue screen light has bounced onto his shirt and they didn't catch it. So as September is giving us all this information, I'm trying to take it in. But I'm also like, this is some of the worst effects that Fringe has ever had. And it's such a key scene that it really was distracting. So observers, as you said, are the evolved version of the human race from the future. And they have found a way to send people back to witness the key moments that led to their creation. And the team of observers are scientists who are doing this just to observe and to see their history so that they can understand where they have been and where they are going. And I thought that was really fascinating. And as this is happening, September says, look, I dropped the bag. I fumbled shit. I'm sorry. Here's the moment where everything went off the rails. And it's the moment in the other timeline where Walter discovers the cure for Peter and September accidentally distracts him by coming to observe and he doesn't see that he has found the cure. And Peter says, I know this. My Walter told me this shit. My Walter saw it and that's why he jumped across universes and whatever. And September says, yes, but what you don't know is that because this happened, there was a ripple effect and the ripple effect led to the birth of your son, Henry. And Peter goes, hold up now, what? She didn't tell me she was pregnant. What are you talking about? Who is this? And he says, Folivia had a child on the other side, your son, Henry. And that child was never meant to be born. That actually changed time so drastically that everybody, every one of my friends is mad at me now. And they're going to come and kick my ass because I screwed up. And Peter says, oh my God, I can't believe I'm a dad. How can I? What can I do? Where's my kid? And he's like, well, actually, your kid is erased because when you erased yourself from the timeline, he was gone as well. September says the way to set things right is the love between you and this Olivia Dunham. And, you know, love conquers all and love can correct the timeline. So everybody, everybody on team Peter and Olivia ship get ready because September basically says you got to fix this and you got to get back in love with the one you're supposed to be with. And then he says, Oh God, they're coming. And September disappears and a table is knocked over. What are you thinking as, as we get this message delivered by September that love, love conquers all. I thought, I thought the way that the writers handled the unraveling of the giant story ball that they sort of built and presented at the beginning of the season that had me so frustrated and that, and that had you calling for bloody murder. I thought that that was handled pretty, pretty well. But the one thing that I didn't like, and this might surprise you, I didn't like the overemphasis on the only way that we can fix this is love. I'm like, it worked in interstellar, but here I'm like, guys, this is fringe. Can't you come up with a tangible reason that he has to, fix everything love is not love is a powerful force i get it love can change the whole world right but that is not a good story crux for a character to do something well it well it kind of is it kind of is but it depends on the situation so i didn't like that part of it but i am happy now that peter is sort of reset he just has to do his best to make everybody that he cares about 
remember everything. Yeah, so I thought that was really good. And in those final moments with September, he does say, you know, they are coming and Peter, you should go home. And Peter wakes up and September, his body disappears. And Peter is like, well, this guy was useless. He didn't tell me anything that's going to help me find Olivia right now. And then he realizes, oh, great. I'm dealing with one of these literal assholes who won't tell me what I need to know, but told me exactly what I need to know. And he realizes maybe I need to just go home to my actual home. And he wasn't being metaphorical and he wasn't talking about universes. He was talking about the place where I live on campus. And so Peter goes there and that's where Jones's henchmen are waiting for him. And they kidnap him and bring him to where Olivia is. And now that Peter is there, Olivia's powers are super juiced and so much so that not only can she activate the lights, but she actually creates a scenario where they can escape. And as Jones and Nina flee the scene, they narrowly escape back to their universe. We wound Jones, but it's not a fatal wound. And then we get that fun action. So we're like, great. Olivia is saved. She rescued herself because Peter was able to help juice her powers. The bad guys got away, but then we get the dumb moment where Peter says like, I can't be with you. We can't be together. This is for the best. I got to leave. And Olivia's like, look into my eyes and tell me you love me. And he's like, nah, bitch, see ya. And it's like, no, what, what is this? Why would they do this to us? How? What are you thinking in that final moment of this episode that is so extremely frustrating? The acting is on point from both Josh Jackson and Anna Torv, but the content of the scene, I'm like, this. everybody knows where this is going. Stop putting up the roadblocks that we know are going to be taken down within the next two episodes. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, like you, I thought the acting from Joshua Jackson and Anna Torv was on point, as it is all the time. They are really, really good at what they do. And they're really, really good at portraying these characters. But that moment I was like, fucking hell, just why the fuck are you doing? This This is so stupid. Because like you said, you, I, and everybody who's watching the show back in the day and everybody who's watching the show on a rewatch with us knows that this is going to be fixed. If not in the next episode, that it'll be fixed in the episode after that. So why in the world do the writers it's it's like the writers take a sick pleasure in doing this to us. And it's so stupid. It is so dumb because Peter, look, Peter started out one way and then he changed when he, you know, when he spoke to an observer, I thought he was on track, but then he changed again. So I'm like, why is this guy not listening? Peter is smarter than this. And I don't know why the writers put Peter's character on a seesaw when it comes to the way that he feels about Olivia. I don't get it. Like, like, like I understand it. If I understand it, if they were going to move him in a different direction, but they're not going to do that. They are absolutely going to put Peter and Olivia together again. So why are they fucking around? I have no idea. And part of the reason they could have been fucking around is because fringe went on a one month hiatus after this. So this was sort of a, finale to keep us screaming until episode 15 which aired march 23rd 2012 written by jh wyman and graham roland and directed by jh wyman a jh wyman joint a short story about love now this here you know they made us wait a month and this picks up with olivia having a breakfast with nina 
and saying, you know, all that crazy shit that went on a little while ago where I was kidnapped and you were impersonated. Wow, it's so good that we can put that behind us and I'm glad that we're catching up and we should do this more often. And Nina says, do this more often. We do this every week. We have this breakfast once a week. And they start to be concerned that old Olivia Dunham, our Olivia Dunham's memories are not only entering remix Olivia Dunham's mind, they're actually erasing her actual memories of stuff that she has done in this timeline. So it is not an additional memory. It is actually replacing. And they start to think this could be bad because obviously this version of Nina doesn't want her daughter to not remember that she was raised by her. And they start to raise some red flags, which is why Peter, as he alluded to last episode where he said, I'm out of here. He decides that he's got to get so far out of here that he's leaving the city that he's going to get on a bus and go somewhere else because he can't be near Olivia because he doesn't want this memory replacement to keep going, which again is that frustrating thing that we know is not going to take. We know that this is a false. This is a MacGuffin itself because this is not going to be the thing where Peter just goes on a bus and lives in Boston for a year. They, they can't sustain the show that way. So, As we're going through these motions, we are introduced to Case of the Week, which, okay, Wyman, I know last episode we really hit that love is the thing, and this whole Case of the Week is about the power of love, and it's another another story where a man is willing to kill to feel loved, even if it's only for like 10 seconds at a time, and I really sigh with exasperation at this mystery of the week about this man who is hideously burned and deformed who goes to killer lengths with you know a fringe thing about this perfume that he's created with these perfect pheromones but the only way he can get it is by murdering couples and he gets that 10 seconds where he gets off on the love um it's icky and i don't like it (laughs) And it's my least favorite part of this episode. Marcelo, what do you think as this episode is 50-50 serialization case of the week? Okay. I really appreciated J.H. Wyman's attempt to sort of deconstruct love and what it and what it does to us as a as as human beings and and the way that and the way that everybody between between the worst people in the world to the kindest people in the world need a version of love. So I appreciate his, his attempt at deconstructing, at trying to get into the, the, the thing uh, that, 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 you know, boggles us, boggles us all. What does love really mean? But with that being said, I couldn't have given two fucking shits about this episode. Now, now, now it, it's an interesting concept, but it just, it just didn't work because the, because the bad guy of this episode wasn't really given a reason as to why he was doing this. I mean, at one point he's making a potion and he opens up this box with this photo of this woman, but that's all we see. So we are, we are led to believe or we're led to understand that he lost the love of his life. And that's why he's doing this. But if we saw some flashbacks of what his life used to be before he was burnt, I think that would have made us attach more to his plight. I think we, I think we would have maybe, but, but also it's, it's tough to get behind a guy who, you know, it's, 
it looks like Freddy Krueger in the daylight. I'm, it's going to be taking a lot more than just one flashback for me to get on board with him doing this. No, no, I would have no. What, no, what I would have done is is I would have interspliced flashbacks of of his relationship with that girl all throughout the episode. It wouldn't it wouldn't have been just one little thing. It would have been several little things. Um, but with the serial with the serialization angle of this episode, I kind of liked that Olivia was with Lincoln, and then Peter was doing his own thing. Peter was doing like a, a basically a scavenger hunt that 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 led to him finding this. The one one of the one of the silver eggs that we've seen before, um, and I really liked hearing that the observers punishing the the observers punishment for September was okay. Do you want to fuck with our timeline? Well, guess what, motherfucker, we're gonna throw you out. So I, so so I really loved that September basically used Peter to get back in, but every, but everything that's everything that September said to Peter. I felt was really, really unnecessary. And I felt it was, it was, it was, it was exposition that was already said by him in the last episode for, for, for Eagle Eye viewers. So I would have really appreciated that if they would have replaced that moment with, which is a really cool moment because it, it, the, the, the egg thing opens up in the house, a light pops up and then Peter goes to the second floor of his house. And there he sees like this, this this hologram of September, and then September materializes. It's a really cool effect, but I w- I really would have I really would have wished if J H Wyman would have spent some more time, possibly giving uh, Peter clues as to what is happening here, as to what David Jones' plan is, and as to what Nina's plans are, instead of trying to make him understand that this is his actual universe. And this is his actual Olivia, that she's just waking up and that he just has to make everybody else wake up because everybody and their mother knows that at this point. I'm like, why are you wasting time with this? We know this already. Give give us give us subtle hints as to what's coming, not as to the things that we already know. You know, what's funny is because Fringe took a month off and this is going to be the, the run of like the final episodes of the season. There's a scene early on with Olivia and Lincoln and <laughs> Lincoln and Olivia are having this talk about everything that has happened. And at some point, Olivia says, why are you asking me these questions? And Lincoln says, well, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page and everyone's up to speed basically. And I was like, no, it's because <laughs> it's because Fox promoted this as a jumping in point again. And there's an entire minute where Lincoln asks these questions to bring us up to speed in case you have missed any of the episodes of this season, you can figure out where we are and what's happening. And it was done in a way that, you know, it, if you're not a savvy TV viewer, like unfortunately we are, you would not realize that this was a scene built for that specific reason to catch the audience up. But I was like, it is funny that Olivia calls it out. She's like, why are you asking me so much questions? And he's like, well, it's tough to keep all this shit straight. So like, I got to reiterate everything that's happening. And, um, that was interesting. I, like I said, I didn't really love the mystery of the week at all. And as we find out, you know, there's a scene where the, the disfigured man is taking pictures of couples by a, in a park by like a pond. And I hate to sound really rude or judgmental, but if Freddy Krueger in the daylight comes up to me and says, Hey, do you want me to take a picture for you? No, dude, we're good. 
keep walking, pal. I don't know who you are. Run. Or, yeah, like, I, and all these couples are like, yeah, sure, that'd be great. And I'm like, no, that was the hardest pill to swallow <laughs> up this episode that they were all like, yeah, come on, creepy Freddy Krueger guy, take our photo. And there's a moment near the end when he's apprehended where Olivia puts him in a cop car and in a very weird Dutch angle moment, we get a view of Olivia from inside the cop car with her at the door and the camera is very off skew. And the guy is his shot is also a very off skew, super close up Dutch angle that like only like a eighth of his face is even in the frame. And I thought that was, you know, Wyman is trying to do something visually here that Fringe hasn't done, which I did appreciate. And it's unsettling and puts you off kilter. And Olivia says to him, like, yeah, you were trying to get off on that 10 seconds of love, you sick fuck. And he says, no, I was trying to discover this so I could unleash it on the whole world so everybody could have this euphoric feeling. And I'm like, well, again, it feels like we have visited things similar to this in Fringe before that I don't care that much. But the Peter stuff, as they dig deeper, Peter's about to get on the bus and in reviewing the tapes of what happened when September disappeared, they slow it down with this magic machine and they realize that the other observers came and grabbed him, which is why the table fell over. And in that moment, September puts something in Peter's eye. So Walter's like, you got to come back. There's something in your eye. It's a clue to something. It's a clue to something. We don't know what it is, but can you get back here? So Peter comes and they <laughs> pull out in a very gross, disgusting scene, this small disc out of his iris, which is uncomfortable. And they realize that there is an address in it. And what's cool is very Christopher Nolan. They say this would have eventually been sucked into your eye and then gone into your brain and it would have incepted this address into your mind. And for people out there, Inception was 2010 and this episode is 2012. So like it definitely is a Nolan idea that they have somehow taken. And they say, okay, what's this address? And Peter tracks it down and he finds the beacon, as you said. And when he goes off and he activates the beacon and September shows up, the only new information we get is that his punishment was the exile and the way that he was exiled was the observers made it so he couldn't find this universe and he could still travel and do whatever, but he couldn't locate this. So they basically deleted all his contacts out of his phone and said, there you go, motherfucker, tough luck. So this is Peter restoring his contacts. So he knows our phone number and he phones and comes in. And it is here where he reveal reveals in explicit detail. The thing that we have always kind of started to know is that Peter wasn't in a different universe. This is his universe. He erased himself when he bridged the gap, but because his family loved him so much, he couldn't be erased. So they tried to delete the evidence, but somehow remnants remained. And the only way to fix everything is to remind everyone of this. And the way to remind them is through the love. And September says, you don't have to worry about, staying away from Olivia. You shouldn't be running away from her. You should be running towards her because it is her. This is your timeline. You are not replacing some stranger's memories with false ones. It is her just September basically says Peter and Olivia shippers. 
let's fucking go. And that is where September leaves it. And Peter goes, what are you thinking as, yes, yeah, September gives us a lot of information that we have all assumed and basically known. But September says, Peter, you dumb motherfucker, go get your girl. Yeah, I look. Look, I, look, I said it earlier on in the episode. I don't like the way this was handled because I think that Eagle Eye viewers like like Matt and me and like others who may be watching along with us as we go through these episodes here already knew this stuff. I understand why J.H. Wyman sort of took a hammer and just bashed it into the brains of the viewers for people who aren't as eagle-eyed as we are. This episode had good concepts to it, but I don't think that it was executed in an interesting i don't think that it was executed well enough to really to really delve into it and to really delve into the concepts that it floated you mentioned the moment when olivia arrests the 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 freddy krueger motherfucker guy and you know and puts him in the car and he has a whole conversation as to what his grand plan was and you mentioned the angles the 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 dutch angles jh wyman did it twice in this episode if I'm not mistaken, he did it in the car and he did it in a really odd moment when Peter was opening up the door to the apartment that like September had all this shit in. And I'm like, why are you doing a Dutch angle on a goddamn door? Like, why are you doing it on a, look, if you're going to look, I'm not a director. I don't know shit about directing, but I do know this. If you're going to do that, do it in a key moment in your movie or your, or your TV show. Don't do it on a moment of a guy opening a door. <laughs> yeah, I, I basically agree. And for anybody who doesn't know, a Dutch angle is basically usually a camera. You know, you would place it so that you're straight on. A Dutch angle is where you put the camera at like a 45 degree skewed angle. So everything just looks a little bit off. And if you want to know, if you want to see the most nauseating example of it, Cue up the movie Battlefield Earth, which every single shot is a fucking Dutch angle and it's unwatchable. But <laughs> I I do think that Wyman really did some interesting things as a director and some of it didn't work. And this episode is like a 50-50 episode where 50% of it I'm interested and 50% couldn't give a shit less about. You mentioned that you like the parts where Lincoln and Olivia have more to do together. They also, in a not-so-subtle way, give us a lot of shots where there is talk about love and timelines and who you're supposed to be with, and we cut to Lincoln with these longing looks towards Olivia and him giving these, like, puppy dog, like, please don't be in love with Peter because I love you looks that I thought was, was not quite subtle but is building on things that have been sprinkled throughout these episodes of this season with this Olivia and this Lincoln. But then we do end on the big, they, they see each other from across the street and it's the perfect weather and they run and they embrace and they start to do a kiss and the camera starts to do a sweeping 360, And then we cut to black oh. and the episode's over and it's, it's great. But like the kiss was like half a second and we were cut to black. So you're like, all right, I'm glad that we got to this moment frustrated. It took so long, excited to see where they take it from here on out and also knowing that we have you know five episodes left of the season how are the fringe team gonna fuck this up for me in these back five that's what i'm just wondering <laughs> because otherwise this would have been the finale and we would have then moved on to more stuff so we'll have to find out as as things move forward what what shit they're gonna throw at us to stop this train 
I really think that they are hinting at a exit from the show for Lincoln. I really, I really think that they're hinting that he is going to be somehow taken out of the equation. So that way we won't feel as bad for his, obviously for his love for his partner and Olivia, because although you're not a Lincoln and Olivia guy, I am. And I really like them together. So maybe the fringe writers can can find a way to give to give both of the guys who are interested in Olivia a happy ending in a way. So I'm really interested to see it, how the writers handle that. I'm also wondering how the hell are they going to cock this up? Because I'm like, I, we we have we we have no idea what the grand plan is, and they have to tell us a lot of information really fast. So I'm wondering how they're going to do that. And I wonder, I'm wondering how they're going to go about that. They got so many ways that they could go. We will have to see as we move into the end game of the fourth season of Fringe. If you guys are watching along with us next week on the pod, we will be discussing episode 16, Nothing As It Seems, and episode 17, Everything In Its Right Place. If you guys have any questions, comments, Please reach out to us. You can do it on Twitter with the hashtag Radio815 or at JJUniverse815. Like, follow, subscribe, tell your friends, leave a comment. Anything helps. We appreciate it. If you want to reach out to me, I am on Twitter at Matt Crandall. Marcelo, you're on Twitter. How can the people reach out to you? I'm on Twitter, as Matt said. I'm at CreekFanatic88. And I do just want to give a big thank you to all of those people who are watching our back catalog, whether it's on our YouTube channel or whether it's on podcast services, because we have, I have noticed a bump uh, in most recent weeks. A lot of people are watching our lost episodes. So I do want to say thank you to those people because we really love talking about loss and we really love this show in general. So thank you for giving us love and thank you for loving our back episodes as, as well as loving these new ones that we're doing now. Much appreciated. Thanks everyone. And until next week, radio eight one five over and out. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.